Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Body Wisdom Podcast. We are your hosts, Kiara Orbe and Gabby Barboza. Welcome, welcome to the show. Welcome back if you've been a listener for a long time now. And welcome, welcome if this is your first time listening to our voices. We're so grateful that you choose to be here and learn all about health, nutrition, spirituality, trauma healing, nervous system healing. We're here to go deep for sure. And if you haven't listened to any of our prior episodes, be sure to go back. Gabby joined the episode in 2022, June of 2022. And we've had some incredible guests on the show and have had some epic conversations that we just know that you're going to love. And feel free to always pop into our inboxes and let us know if there's anything that you would love to absolutely hear on the show. We try to get a a wide range of guests to really support your inner healing. And we still love to hear from you. So be sure to do that. I am so excited for today's episode with MJ. MJ Renshaw is an energy healer, a medium, a breathwork facilitator, and the founder of The Being Method. She left her career of being an osteopath to chase after her dreams of blending science and spirituality into a course. She wanted everyone to know all the amazing overlaps she had found between science and spirituality. And that's one of the things we really love and enjoyed from um, this episode is how she integrates both worlds, really bridging the gap there. And yeah, we just got into so much, did not really know where this episode was going to go, but one of the first things that we discussed was um, the spirit world. And this isn't something that I've really particularly talked to, with you guys about, I don't think. Um, but I've had, like, I've just been a vivid dreamer, like, all of my life. And that's something I asked MJ about. Like, I feel like my dreams are almost premonitions. Like, I'll just be sitting there one day and I'll just be like, oh my God, I'm having deja vu. But it's not something that happened before. It's just something that I've, felt and experienced and, or I'll dream of someone and like a week later they're in a car accident or something. It's, it's so wild, but MJ shares her journey with clairvoyance and going back to her family history and stuff. It's just so wild. And I I really enjoyed this episode. MJ, we, we just start off by going deep. There was no hesitation with her. She just is very, appears very embodied and just really knows what her inner self is saying. And it was such a true like inspiration for all of us just to immediately step into ourselves instead of the tiptoeing around that we can do, especially I mean, this is the first time we're meeting MJ on the episode, and we were able to just go there. She talks about her upbringing and how her grandfather was actually a medium after World War II, which was such a cool story to hear from her and then how that blended into her childhood and who she is today and the boundaries that she's had to set now that she's a mother and also her relationship. Her husband struggled with addiction, um, and she speaks about how that has really catapulted their relationship into what it is today because of the deep work that he did and the pain that he went through, and really just gave us hope as women and 
as we invite men into our lives, like there are men out there that have done this work themselves. And I know for me and I know for us, that was really comforting to hear. And we're just really excited for you to listen. MJ knows really what what she's talking about and the blend with science and spirituality is something that I haven't quite seen in the space. And as a nursing background with science, I love science so much and I love spirituality at the same time. She's someone that can blend. And I also want to invite, if this is a topic that is uncomfortable for you, um, maybe you come from a religious background where mediumship and spirit was seen as evil or bad, if you're comfortable, I would just invite you to listen. We want you to feel like you're getting something out of this too. And even if you don't agree at the end of the episode, that's totally fine, but would love for you to still listen if you're able. And thank you. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of the Body Wisdom Podcast. We will see you on the other side. We all know that we should be exercising and finding some kind of movement daily, but what many of us don't know is that some types of exercise actually cause more stress on the body, particularly those of higher intensity, like HIIT. I've been looking for tools to use that will give me insight into what exercises work best for my body. And I recently discovered Vary, which combines a continuous glucose monitor, better known as a CGM, with an easy to use app to help you find the right foods, exercises, and habits for your unique body. And at Body Wisdom, we talk a lot about being your own best health advocate because only you truly know what feels good on your body. So we all know that we are constantly being thrown information about the do's and don'ts of the health world. It can be very confusing and overwhelming to know what you should be doing. And this is where a tool like Vary can be a game changer. Vary allows you to experiment not only with food, but workouts, stress management techniques, sleep, and so much more to see how each choice is affecting your blood sugar in real time. For instance, it's been so cool to see how simply changing the order in which I eat my food really does curb my blood sugar response without actually changing the foods I'm eating. This gives you so much more food freedom when you can simply change the order versus restrict more foods. So if you want to find the right foods and habits for your body while improving your health, you should give Vary a try. They're giving listeners an exclusive $30 off your purchase using our link in the show notes. That's $30 off using the code V-S-M-B-O-D-Y-W-I-S-D-O-M. That's V-S-M-Bodywisdom. And again, you'll find that link in the show notes. Let us know what you find after tracking your blood sugar because everyone is so different. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Body Wisdom Podcast. We are your hosts, Kiara Orbe and Gabby Barbosa. Today on the show, we have MJ Renshaw. I am so excited that you're here, MJ. Welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yeah. For our listeners who are just getting acquainted with you, and I hear baby in the background. I know. I was like, cue my daughter crying. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, babies. Yeah. I can't wait to hear all about that in your current pregnancy. Um, but yeah, can you tell our listeners a little bit about, and us, like for us just getting to know you, how you landed in this space? Yeah, so I initially studied philosophy, um, kind of specialized in ethics and biomedical ethics, and that was kind of my introduction to 
the wellness world beyond just my own wellness practices, and then went on to do a post-grad um, in osteopathy, which in Canada, where I'm from, is like, it's a lot like being a chiropractor, similar schooling, private, five years, blah, blah, blah. Um, about four months before I was set to graduate, I had my own private practice. I was doing well in school and I dropped out. <laughs> and um, everyone around me was like, what are you doing? And I was like, I just don't feel aligned with this career and this job. And if I don't do it now, I feel like I never will. So I just really took that leap. It was extremely difficult and hard, but then I started my own kind of spiritual business. So I use a lot of the information that I learned in my schooling without using the piece of paper and created my own business that kind of blends the science that I learned from osteopathy and then the spirituality that I've learned, been learning in my own personal life because I find that they marry really well together. And I definitely specialize in breath work, but love to talk about all things science and spirituality and the overlapping of them. So I run the Being Portal, which is a place to do breath work if you just want to do breath work to release emotions, to manifest, to heal, all those fun things. And then we have the Being Method, which is if you're a science nerd, spirituality nerd, and you want to go deep into those two things, we talk about everything from how a photon affects the mitochondria to emotional frequencies in the body and how sound healing can affect organs. Um, and yeah, that's, that's what I do. Thanks for sharing. I'm so curious what brought you to the spiritual path? Like, is that something that you were always interested in or was there something? I feel like there's always like something that happens that like really takes us there. I know. You know what? I actually don't have a moment like that, which is so interesting because my family lineage is like both grandparents on both sides are atheist, which is very rare for people. Like I don't have a person that I know of alive in my family who's religious. Um, so I wasn't introduced to a higher power or God and anything in that realm, but I did have on my dad's side, two very spiritual grandparents. So a grandmother who would like take me into the forest to look for fairies. They're very British, like from the UK. So a lot of like British, Irish magic. <laughs> um, so we would go looking for fairies and build fairy houses. And she was very mystical in that realm. And then her husband was an engineer and he was my papa and he was a medium. So he, after the war, World, World, World War II, he was able to, um, without meaning to channel different people that ha he had lost friends he had lost in the war and also his mother and then he you know started reading more about the occult and about energies on the other side and he had like a whole library of like ghosts and the paranormal and mediums and channeling and he got really really interested in it um and then he he was definitely my introduction to that side of things he was like honestly that man's aura was like the most beautiful aura my i'm really lucky my husband got to meet him before he passed my husband was like that was the most energetically aligned beautiful person i've ever met and i was like i know <laughs> like next level my papa was so sweet um so they were definitely my introduction to that world so i don't have a story of like a spiritual awakening in my life. Like I feel like I was really blessed to have people kind of guide me to um, 
just being aware that there are, there are other things out there. There's life can be really magical, really good. And you do have kind of a co-creation process with it. And it's not just everything here that you can see now. And um, yeah, that's just kind of grown since I was a child. I feel like a lot of people will resonate with that because there's so much talk about spiritual awakening. I too just felt from a very young age, I just had already felt it. There wasn't a point that was like, oh my gosh, this is happening. I'm awakening. I'm like being brought to God. It was just like, yeah, like dark night of the soul. It was just like, as a, a baby, as a young kid, I just remember feeling and like, just feeling so much. I just didn't have words for it yet. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's so beautiful. And also just mediumship at that time for you to be exposed to it from such a young age and from your family too. It wasn't like you were going off exploring, doing something secret and figuring it all out. Like for me, I was doing the Ouija board. (laughs) Oh no. (laughs) Dark, the dark, dark before I knew better, um, which was never like intuitively was not the right thing to do, but it's just, yeah, that's really beautiful. Is there something in your upbringing or just speaking to the part of you that felt just always, you know, surrounded by the spiritual space? Was there something that was challenging for you growing up that you couldn't really put words for or something that you struggled with in relation to your spirituality? Oh my gosh. Yeah, definitely. I think, I mean, I think that everybody can access, you know, the other dimensions or whatever you want to call it, the other world. And for me, it's been a learning process of recognizing that that was what was happening to me. It was extremely frightening. And I lost my grandfather before I could have him as guidance in mediating you know, beings from the other side. And um, I think anyone who's ever dove into this world, you know, like it's not all, they're not all fairies over there. (laughs) Um, It's, it, it can be dark. And yeah, I ended up getting a mentor who definitely helped me with that. And it's not something where I think you need to go when you're exploring those other realms, think of yourself as a victim to these things. Like I find that that is a prevailing narrative where it's like, oh, they'll come get me. And like, I, I, that's, you know, like I'm just a victim to these things. Like, no, you do have control over who you let in and who you don't. Um, but, um, yeah, I think that was a really big difficulty in the spiritual realm was just navigating, uh, boundaries and control over other people's energy, um, spirits, energy, I, since I've had my daughter, I've had to cut it off completely. I haven't practiced any sort of mediumship since she was born, just because I think when women give birth, like we become portals through the afterlife, like our body does. And I really struggled in postpartum with having too many spirits come through. Like it was, Mm -hmm. it was really overwhelming. My husband was like, are you okay? Like I had people, like it was too much. So I like, I did like a closing ceremony and I was like, okay, until maybe forever. Like, I don't know. I don't know. I don't want to do this right now. Like I'm not available for other things. Like I'm just here for my children and I'll obviously talk to them about it, but I had to completely close that off. Um, But uh, prior to that, I did have to learn how to navigate, you know, the idea that spirits aren't necessarily always you know, they have their own baggage too. And uh, 
navigating those boundaries with them. So spiritual boundaries have been a big learning for me, especially I think a lot of people are, you know, of this generation are very empathetic and you have to learn like that person's energy is their energy. This is my energy and I can empathize with them and sympathize with them and I don't have to take it on. I'm so glad you're bringing this up. It's like music to my ears because I don't think that it's talked about enough how much power we have over on this side and Mm -hmm. something that a therapist, like a a spiritual therapist, a mentor who interestingly I'm seeing this week, which is so funny, like how this is aligning. um, She told me at one point, you are the most powerful person in the room. Like you have the power. There was a moment and I won't get super into it, but that my brother passed and he was still like in the ether and he was trying to pass, he was using me to like pass to the other side. And she was like, I was afraid. It was scary to me. And she was like, you are so much more powerful than his spirit right now. Not that he was a bad person, but just, I was like, oh my gosh, what's happening? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And when, as soon as she told me that, I was like, oh yeah. It's that remembrance of like, I can just tell him, Jared, it's time to, it's time to pass over. As soon as I yeah. did that, it was done. He wasn't waking me up in the middle of the night anymore. Like it was done. That's really I, common. My my grandfather did that for me. And I, oh, first of all, I'm sorry you lost your brother. I lost mine as well. It's horrifying. Oh, like it's, it really sucks. Um, yeah. And But my grandfather definitely stuck to me for a long time. I didn't know what to do to help him. And that's so nice that you had a mentor. I finally saw someone. They were like, oh, you have to do psycho pumping, which I'd never heard of, which is helping a spirit cross over, which is such a beautiful process, like to be like, oh, I'll help you. Like, it's okay. And uh, yeah, so thank you for sharing that. And I'm cutting you off, but I just wanted to share. I hear that all the time of people being like, I had to help someone. Like, but yeah, you do have the strength and you do have the power. Like the one terminology that I don't resonate with is energy vampire. When people say that, I'm like, that person took nothing from you. You gave it to them. Mm. Like you gave it to them. You saw their, you saw their frequency and you matched it. Like you can choose not to, you, you have a choice in these things. And, and yeah, I think, um, it's so important as an empathetic person or someone who has any sort of psychic abilities to recognize your power. Like it doesn't make you bad or lesser or less powerful than other people that you can feel things. It actually makes you more powerful. And when you realize that, that's when you start to have more fun with it. Mm-hmm. Mm. This is so fascinating. I love this conversation because I feel like I don't really talk to anyone about this stuff, but Um, I've spoken to Gabby about my dreams that I have, that I've been having since I was like a little girl. And as I've gotten older, they feel like premonitions. Like I'll dream about someone and then something will happen. And I'm like, do I need to like start reaching out to these people who I haven't spoken to in forever? It's so crazy. And just like going back to what you said earlier about like everyone having this capacity, but maybe not knowing it or realizing it, or maybe not being given the space for their bodies to even be able to tap into that. Um, could you share how you kind of started this journey of like, I don't know, is it clairvoyance or is it mediumship? Is that what you call it? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's tons of categorizations, but (laughs) yeah, sure. (laughs) Can we, yeah, I guess kind of just start tapping into that. And um, yeah, let's start there because I have so many other questions that I want to get into. Yeah, I think 
So there is a narrative where, you know, if it's passed on in your genealogy, it's going to be easier for you. Um, and that makes sense with a lot of things, right? Like if you had a great grandfather and a mother who were track runners, running is probably going to be easier for you. <laughs> Because it's like you have people in your family, you've watched people do that, and you also probably have like the fast twitch muscles or slow twitch muscles, whatever, that are going to make you excel genetically at that. So I, I, you know, do believe that there is that element of family lineage to things like this, but that doesn't mean that anyone cannot do it. Like any any person in the world can become clairvoyant, clairaudient, psychic, medium, like be, be a medium, like whatever you want to be, channel beings like angels, God, whatever you want. Um, I think the first step is to believe that it's possible. A lot of people are like, you know, this, this isn't common. Like uh, you, most people you meet on the planet are like, oh, that's BS. Or we have religious kind of beliefs of it being evil, right? Mm -hmm. Like that's an evil thing to do. And I, I mean, I won't, I'm not religious. I know nothing really about, I know a little bit about Christianity. Um, I would say that don't let someone else usurp your connection to a higher power. You don't need someone else to connect to God. You can connect to God on your, your own. Um, that's my, my one, my one advice to people who are struggling with that. But the biggest belief, the biggest like uh, wall I think is just people believing that it's possible for them. And if, you're listening and you're interested in it, I'm here to tell you 100% can. And then the second thing is just practice. Like, mm -hmm. you just have to figure out how you hear those things. And maybe it could be auditory, maybe it could be through visualization, it could be just, um, just an inner knowing, like you just know. Um, so it, it could be just practicing, how do you know those things? And that's through like, really funny little ways, like what color is the car that's going to come next? How did it feel when I was right? How did it feel when I was wrong? Um, you get a die, die and just roll it. Guess the numbers. And then you'll start to be like, it's a three. No, it's a seven. And then you roll a three and you're like, I should have gone with my intuition. And mm -hmm. it's through those little practicing moments where you're playing around with different timelines and different dimensions. Um, and you can do it with another person too. That's a really great place to start is like guessing people's stories or being like, is there... I'm like, you know, sit with them and like think, okay, is there, you know, does like a blue dollhouse matter to you and see mm -hmm. if it's right or wrong and see how that felt in your body. And then you'll start to gauge what, what is the truth and what is just stuff my mind is just saying or just fear is saying, and you'll start to piece apart how that feels for you. There's so many courses and blogs and whatever on how to do it. But the best way to do it is just to practice so you can figure out how it feels in your own body and what your skills are. Yeah, this brings me back to intuition. And I think this is a question that all of our listeners probably have is like, how do I know, how do I discern what my intuition is versus fear? Yeah. Um, I think there's a hundred different answers for that. For me, it's what state am I in right now in terms of my nervous system? So I'm a science girl through, through and through. Like I can measure my HRV. <laughs> I can know, am I in a parasympathetic state, which is do I feel calm and safe right now? Or am I in a sympathetic state? Do I feel fearful or fight or flight right now? And if I feel fight or flight and I'm trying to listen to source, I'm probably going to get messages of fear. Mm -hmm. 
But if I feel calm and centered, if I take time to get grounded, do some breath work, do a little meditation, do some tapping, whatever tool I need to do to get into get my vagus toned, get comfortable in the bath, then whatever is going to come to me likely is going to be from a place of intuition because I'm not in a fearful state in my body. Um, that for me is like the very quantifiable way of knowing is this information coming from me, you know, filtered out through like my own fear or is it from a calm centered place? This is something that I've, you've been able to put words to that I have had such a hard time with because a lot of the time, the things that I fear, like the, my intuition can be things that I fear. And mm -hmm. so and I've talked with other people about that. How do we know the difference between fear and intuition? Because I do fear if my intuition is right. And in the past, my fear has been right. But when you said to first figure out, first get yourself into that parasympathetic state still, even so, because the fear parts are going to be speaking more and the intuition parts might still tell you the same thing, but you know that it's from coming from a grounded place instead mm -hmm. of this anxiety yeah yeah and you might still have a fearful premonition in that state right like there's been plenty of times where i've been meditating in the bath i feel good and all of a sudden i've got something telling me like oh don't go there and do that and if i'm like okay I'm calm right now. And that was like a little message. I'm going to, I know now in my life, you listen to it. Like yeah. <laughs> there've been times my husband and I have been walking down the road and I've been like, we have to turn back. And he's mm -hmm. like, why? And I'm like, we just have to just, please, we have to turn back. And he used to be like, this is so stupid. But now he's like, okay. <laughs> like he's like, mom's intuition. <laughs> we go back. Um, but yeah, I think it's important to listen to is again, it comes from that practicing. Like if you start to practice listening to things and not listening to things, even little things like, oh, bring your coat today. And you're like, no, I don't want a coat. And then you're walking home and it's like freezing and you're like, why didn't I listen to myself? Then you start to figure out like that little voice that's being like, do, 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 do. like and you'll know the difference between the the kind of voice of fear and the voice of intuition. When you practice, you can piece those two voices out then you can start to just listen to it and follow it. And, it, you, you know, it can stop you from experiencing, you know, negative things, but it can also help you on the path of like, I think your destiny, it will mm -hmm. tell you like, oh, for your business, you should reach out to this person or for your business, you should start a podcast. And when you drop all the like, fearful associations with that and you go oh this is actually a message from my intuition so it's good like it's going to take me on a good path and you just do it like it's it's so easy <laughs> mm. there have been so many moments in my past where i've definitely like had something come through but because of my trauma history or just like attachment history attachment wounding i've ignored it because in that moment i'm like no but i want this and it's so crazy once you're out of that situation, you're like, I had that, I had that message come through, but I didn't listen. And it's just, yeah, the more practice, the more learning and integration we have, the more we're able to actually be okay with that space, even if it's not technically like what we want to happen. Mm -hmm. So yeah, definitely practice. Um, it, yeah, it's hard. It is hard. 
It's and really good. No one else is going to understand it. Society won't understand it. Your boyfriend, girlfriend, husband, mom, dad, like friends, no, they won't understand it. This makes sense right now in the moment. And I should, I should just do this. Cause how am I going to explain like why I didn't do it? And it's just easier to almost not listen to, to your intu- intuition at that time. It mm-hmm. takes really courage for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, Going back to mediumship and the spirits that you were um, experiencing, I'm curious, were these spirits that you knew or were calling upon? Would you be walking on the street and like you'd see, just come across a stranger and like spirits would come through? What, what did that look like? Yeah. So for me, I'm clairaudient and clairvoyant. So I don't even like using those terms because for me, it kind of always switched and mashed around and whatever. But essentially, for the most part, I, oh, and there's one other, the one where you can just clear essence or clear essence or whatever, where you just know. So I had those, those were my main three. So I could see things, hear things, and then just know. Um, I never saw uh, spirits or beings just out in the world. I don't know if that was like a me thing or I I don't know what it was. I think it's because like I really was like a big boundary person and I would always do like little rituals to leave the house. I think that maybe that's why. But for me, for the most part, it looked like in my house and um, it wasn't always people I knew. It wasn't always people. (laughs) Um, So a lot of the times it was people I knew. Um, like interestingly enough, my father, it's been 10 years since I lost my dad. Now he committed suicide. He struggled with drugs and alcohol, uh, basically the whole time I knew him and I, he struggled with a lot of shame and guilt from that. So when he was alive, um, and in the afterlife, he's also struggled with shame and guilt. So I have had to do an immense amount of work to get him to come through And now, 10 years later, he will come through. He used to come through just like very briefly, hug me and leave. Like he just didn't, he felt so bad. Um, And now he'll come through and talk to me and give me advice and he's feeling more comfortable. But that was a really interesting experience for me where I was like, I thought that when he died, he would just, you know, forgive himself and we would connect again. But it wasn't that way. Like he still had a lot of emotions to work through. So that was an interesting experience for me. But yeah, for the most part, I would say most of them were not people or beings that I knew. And I personally take the approach, I think everybody's different. I take the approach that um, no person is evil or being is evil. I don't really believe that. I think that things and people can have negative intentions because they have past traumas or misunderstandings. So I try to always meet every being or person um, with a sense of light and calmness. And I know that my light is stronger than anything dark that anything's going to bring me. So it's not fearful for me. And uh, it's always gone well for me. I've never really dealt with anything dangerous or I've never dealt with anything really like clinging to me or affecting my life. It's always felt really safe, but I know that that's different people have different understandings and beliefs around that. So that's just my belief. Um, And I've helped them, you know, move to where they need to move to or access the light if they want access to light. That's been a big one. 
Bruce, I'm so sorry to hear about your dad. I feel like we're living parallel lives. (laughs) It's so so wild with the the addiction and just the shame that your dad felt. And going back to um, how when you became a mom, you felt it was really important to cut off that energy. Are there certain energies that you're more comfortable with? Like, are you more comfortable with someone like your dad coming through and saying hello versus do you mean like cutting off really random energies? Yeah, just random. Family is always welcome. (laughs) Family's (laughs) welcome. Like fairies always welcome. (laughs) Got it. Okay. So in this, I'm so curious, how are you weaving this into motherhood? Like, are you talking to, I'm not exactly sure how old your first kid is, but are you that into motherhood at all or um not not in a big way like uh, I think just the natural culture of our house is one of like believing in higher power and we like we say grace and we pray and all those things so she's definitely experiencing um you know spirit in that realm and she actually said god the other day for the first time and it was really cute we got it on film um we're not we, we have no religion, but we're very spiritual in the house. Um, so she has access to all the spiritual tools. And I personally believe that she definitely sees spirits. Like she has these moments, anyone who has kids, I think all kids see things, um, but she'll like look and just like be like staring at the corner. And I'm like, I know you can see something. <laughs> um, so, so yeah, I think she definitely, she's not old enough to talk about it with me yet, but I think she's definitely having access to just having a spiritually enriched life. Mm, that's so beautiful. I'm curious, um, I see all over your Instagram, and this is something that Gabby and I pay a lot of attention to, is like numbers. Um, whether that's like 111 or 444, I think you have a tattoo of like 444, or is that, am I making that up? I got, I have a bracelet. I've got a bracelet. This is two, two, two. Yes. Two, two, two. Yes. Um, so what do you think about angels? Is that, yeah. What is your definition of an angel? Like, are they real life angels or just spirits and energies that you can feel? Yeah. I mean, again, like I'm not Christian. I know there's like a very definite Christian, um, definition and story of angels. Um, I do like, I call an archangel Michael, all the time, <laughs> like every day. Um, but it's so embarrassing. I don't really know like his full story. I'm not into the uh, Christian kind of stuff, <laughs> I guess. I don't even know what to call it. But yeah. for me, angels are beings who have managed to be enlightened. So mm-hmm. I think that that can be like a, someone living right now. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, that, that's just how I would describe it. Someone whose like best intentions is to bring good. That might be wrong to someone else, but for me, that's my definition of an angel. Um, yeah. And I definitely, I think in the, in like, in my experience of the other world, there are definitely angels. So when you see numbers, is it more so just like confirmation of your own inner knowing? Like, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think numerology is fascinating. I don't know too much about it. So I don't know the history of each number's meaning. Like I know Mm -hmm. two is union, like because one, two (laughs) and five, I think is change. And there's so many. Um, There's definitely people who know way more about I know nothing about numerology. For me, like I don't even know what each one means off by heart. I just know when I see them, I'm like, oh, 
I like to think about whatever I was thinking about in that moment and see that as affirmation, like an affirmation of that thing. So that's just what yeah. it means to me. Agreed. Agreed. Um, your husband today. Love him. We love him. <laughs> we love him. <laughs> we love him. Um, yeah. Daddy and I, as we were like preparing for this interview, we were like, they seem to just have a beautiful union. And I know he's had his history. Um, was it with uh, drugs or alcohol? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Big time drugs. Yeah. So was that before you met him or had you like been with him throughout that time too? No, I probably wouldn't have dated him just to be completely honest, like from having a parent deal with that, like that was pretty a hard standard for me. Like I, I don't even know if I would have dated someone who drank. Um, uh, but no, he struggled basically from the time he was like 15 escalating in substances until he was from 28 to 30. I might be getting the dates wrong, but he was homeless and he was like, a junkie on the street. And I'm sorry if that's offensive. That's his term, not mine. But like he was literally living on the home and like in, on the home, living on the streets and like injecting drugs. Like it's just so wild to me because it's so far from my experience of life. So I always ask him about it. Like, what was that like? Like, where did you sleep? What, did you have friends? Like, did you guys do it together? Like, what's what's it like living on the streets as like a young man? Um, so he's, I should really interview him on my podcast because it's fascinating. Mm -hmm. He also spent a long time in jail. Oh, sorry, my dog. But yeah, he spent a long time in jail. Nothing violent. It was just like, obviously, drugs. We criminalize them. People who struggle with addiction, they must be bad people and put in jail. So yeah, his life has been very flavorful. I met him when he was 37. So he was about seven years sober. Wow. And we're calling in a 37. <laughs> yeah, we are. We're done with uh, immature men. But, <laughs> yeah, I'm just curious. What was your relationship like in the beginning? Like, was it like when you know, when you know, you know, or did it evolve into what it is today? Like, what kind of work did that take? Yeah, I think. Um... It's such a, I think it's a frustrating story for me to hear because him and I knew instantly, like we knew instantly, we knew instantly when we saw each other, we didn't start dating right away. I worked at a coffee shop and he was a customer and we were dating other people, but we like instantly kind of attached. It wasn't inappropriate in any way. We just talked and that's what it was. Um, but in my head, I was like, oh my God, I used to call him my husband when he would come in. Like, I was like, I think this is my husband. And then um, when we started dating. It was like immediate connection. We, we never second guessed it. We moved in after three months and we were like, let's get married and have a baby. Like we were just so um, enthralled. And I will say like, we did not uh, mature very much from our previous relationships. Like I, I was starting to do the self work, but we had started dating definitely before either of us had fully matured. Um, so we worked together on that, but I will say it was just easy. Like it was easy for me to change and mature and grow with him. And it was easy for him to change and mature and grow with me. And we were both very willing. And I like that this is something Jay Shetty says is like, you don't have to be perfect. They don't have to be perfect. You just have to be willing to be better for each other. And that's been our experience is like, 
we both came with baggage, we came with trauma, we came with weird attachment stuff, and we've just been really open to working through it together. Him and I have never had a big blow-up fight, like, ever. Um, mm. We have fought, <laughs> but they haven't been, like, anything with what him and I have dealt with in the past. So, uh, yeah, I think him and I, for whatever reason, like, our energies together were just very willing to work through things and compromise. Um, I've never met a man where I would be like, I'll change to make you feel more comfortable. Normally I'm like, this is just how I am. Um, so it's, uh, it's been, yeah, we've just been really willing to grow and change together. Wow. That's literally how I imagine it happening for me. I had a tarot reading recently and she was like the next person, like the, the person you're going to marry, it's just going to be like this. Like, and I'm for yeah. those Thing, my hands are just like meshing together and it's going to be like fast it, as opposed to like oh, waiting two years to get to know each other and you know then you get engaged and then you get married and the whole thing um and I've seen it happen it seems so crazy um because you often hear of like twin flames and stuff like is it a trauma bond but this just sounds so like no it's it's entirely different it just feels like union like healthy union yeah, I hope yeah. so. <laughs> Time will <Lord>. tell. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> I'm curious. Um, Gabby and I are big into astrology. <laughs> what are your sun signs? So I'm a Leo and he's an Aquarius. So we're actually sister signs. Uh, there you go. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, we've got a lot. I'm not like too in deep with the astrology, but I know like my Jupiter. I, <laughs> there's something about like his Jupiter is in Leo or something where it's like that shows you what partner you're going to have. And we're very much like when people see our charts together, they're like, okay, yeah, yeah, go on, sense. go married, have babies. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Okay. And so, yeah, conflict just doesn't even feel like a, a thing for you really i mean it happens but it's not oh, like definitely no we have conflict like we're i mean we're both very opinionated people and like we definitely have different opinions on things and he unfortunately shares his but uh, we <laughs> we like just have a i think like a very healthy way of working through it and i will say like i would this is the healthiest relationship i've ever been in but for anyone listening who's like oh ugh, what um, we've gone to therapy, like no shame. We did emotionally focused therapy, which teaches people in relationship to help heal the trauma that happened before for each other. So it mm -hmm. sounds codependent, but it's not. We all are codependent. You're in a relationship. So that's been really groundbreaking for us too, because I can recognize when he's triggered and try to be the grounded, centered energy for him. And he can do that for me. And we did it. We started like maybe um, six months ago. And it's been really, really, uh, really helpful. So yes, it's been easier, but not the easiest. We still fight. We're humans. Yeah. Yeah. Fighting is intimacy. Yeah. Says the Leo. <laughs> I'm a fire sign too. So yeah. I'm very comfortable there. Yeah. Um, that's been a theme for me this past week realizing like, oh, it takes two people and we're both messy and perfect humans. But so long as we are both willing, that's where it's beautiful. Like mm -hmm. that's where we get to, yeah, like you just said, like we get to build like true 
intimacy. I don't want just an easy breezy relationship. Like I'm here to go deep. Like I'm a deep person. Yeah. 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 (laughs) If anyone's been in a relationship and you've had fights that are relatively healthy, they're not abusive, you know, after those fights, you feel closer to that person because truths came out. And you just have to learn how to communicate those truths in a way that's going to be less triggering for each other so that all the other BS that comes out with it doesn't also come out, right? Like there's a way to express truths and needs that are difficult in like a beautiful way. Um, And it takes like a lot of like learning scripts. Like, are you ready to receive this right now? Like, are you energetically aligned so that I can say something that's going to really piss you off? (laughs) Um, (laughs) But those, those things do really help. Like when Ian like gets me ready to be like, okay, I got I got something to bring to the table and I don't think you're going to like it. Like, can you get centered? Then I'm like, okay. And like, it does make a huge difference of me Mm -hmm. being like, yeah, like his feelings are valid. I did blank and I should take responsibility for that. I love the light you're shining on just a healthy man. I think that for a lot of women, in this world, in this day and age, there, we've talked about this before, but just there's an idea of there are no men that want to go as deep as I want to go. And Mm -hmm. I also think that I'm curious, actually, I have my own thoughts, but I'm curious with him. There's a level, I think, of prejudice towards people who have been addicts. Some people still call themselves an addict currently, even if they're Mm -hmm. not using people refer to it in the past tense, but that they aren't able to go deep because they say surface level, because they use their substance to keep them from going deep. Mm. But I actually think my experience with addicts or past addicts is that they go so deep that they're needing to escape that feeling that they feel all the time. And so I'm curious, getting to my question, um, is there something that he has taught you um, or a level of depth that he has brought that he has taught you, oh, we can go there? Um, and whether that's together or separate. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yes. He is the best. Um, <laughs> I always jokingly say he's like my life coach. So oh. him and I both came together being like very spiritual people. And for me, it was just kind of like, there wasn't one single thing that I subscribed to. It was just like a lot of different like spiritual elements that I liked. And for him, it was AA. So the 12-step program, he's not Christian. A lot of people think that that program is Christian because they use God, but it's non-denominational. But it is a process for people to get sober um, where you do immense work. Like um, I've since done the 12 steps, not for really anything in particular, just to do them because I think the average person could do them and get a transformational change. It definitely did for me, but, um, a lot of it's based on Carl Jung's work. So we're talking mm-hmm. inner child healing, shadow work. A lot of people don't know that those are the 12 steps. It's a, a lot of it's yeah. based on Carl Jung and he had done a lot of that work. So when we first started dating, um, I would say the biggest thing he taught me was personal responsibility and is still teaching me that. Cause for me, um, I think being like a survivor of sexual abuse and I think being a survivor of, um, just abusive relationships in the past, kind of my go-to way to weasel out is to be a victim. 
And you know how sometimes fights can be like, oh, let's fight to see who's the victim here. <laughs> like really not the place you want to be with the person you're with. Um, so for, for our, I think the biggest teacher he's taught me is to like, look at myself and look at my responsibility in what I'm bringing to the table and how I'm acting, which is an extremely uncomfortable thing to do, <laughs> right? Like, I don't want to No, it's all your fault. <laughs> Um, so that's, and he doesn't do it in a way where he's like, look at you, like, da, da, da. He does it in a way where he, he's like, you know what? I'm going to take a deep breather here. Like, you're right. You're actually right. I am doing that. And like, I shouldn't have said that that way. And I shouldn't have done that to you. And like, I could see how you would feel like he, he will take responsibility in an argument so quickly. I'm like, damn it. I still feel (laughs) mad though. (laughs) Um, so he's he's really shown me how to be responsible for yourself and how to be grounded and like yeah using the term masculine like obviously he's not perfect uh but he um really works towards it and he yeah he's i love him <laughs> i'm in love <laughs> oh my god i'm just like i love this so much really he's just like your mirror like he's just there to like reflect back to you and and what you can take responsibility for without like shaming you or blaming you like it just makes you want to naturally take responsibility for Mm -hmm. yeah yeah i want to match i want to match the energy i want to do that for him too i haven't done it yet but i will one day (laughs) (laughs) half joking there (laughs) the other day i apologized and he was like whoa that's amazing though that he's still able to like still show up in his own way and like just st- still trusting your own time without yeah, yeah. Like, he's very uh, very very sweet i think yeah. one of the things that's been so helpful for him besides just like a spiritual program that helps him heal from his trauma is obviously his community but he also has a mentor so mm. a lot of men don't have that they don't have like a masculine grounded presence where they can take their problems too and be like, hey, can we sort this out together? And this guy is like, like spiritually connected. Like, like this guy's wild. And Ian will go to him with stuff and, you know, just get, you know, a different perspective from a man who's older, who is and is masculine, who, you know, has the same spiritual beliefs as Ian. And um, it's, it's something that men, a lot of men don't have. They don't have somebody like they've got the guys they play hockey with or like their friend and it's it's not the same right like cuz it's you know you can get you we've all seen guys together they're like evil and then you get them separated and they're like i just miss my mom and you're like what's happening to you <laughs> are you okay <laughs> like why don't you talk about this with your friends um oh cuz they'll make fun of you uh so yeah i think it's really helpful for men to have you know, people in their life that they can share their emotions and their hardship with. And I would probably be completely evil too, if I didn't have older women or girlfriends that I could do that with. Um, so not that all men are evil, but not all men. Um, but yeah, I think that definitely from the guys that I know, like the men who have other men that they can connect with on a deep level, uh, seem to mature and go through the rites of passage of becoming a man more than the men who stay boys. Mm. That's it. That's that's that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that hits home so, so much. Oh my God. Exactly right. And I'm just like, 
I'm, I'm Chuck. I feel like this is exactly what I need to hear. Um, <laughs> I recently experienced this experience with an ex and I'm like, who do you, who is it that you talk to about stuff? Like, I know you have your boys and you shoot the shit and you guys do your stuff together, but I'm like, what are you guys talking about? If you guys actually talk and hear each other's hearts at the end of the day, like we all need that. We're human. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so I love that. And yeah, it just take, he just sounds like he takes so much personal responsibility for himself and how he shows up in this world, not only for his family, but for himself and like the world because it all ripples outward. Um, and you mentioned that your previous relationships were abusive. Is that, could you tell us a little bit about like, what that evolution was like and realizing like, you know what, I don't deserve this. And like, how did you choose that for yourself and really set that boundary? Yeah. Um, so I will say like, I, I, on the abusive scale, like they were lesser, but still horrifying. Um, <laughs> and I, I, uh, you know, one was just emotional abuse. So like I bartended at the time we were both in university. And if I didn't call him immediately when I got off work, like I would have 60 missed calls and voicemails being like, where the fuck are you? Sorry if I swore. Sorry that I swore. Um, And that, you know, I, for him, like he was like, oh, I'm just anxious. I'm just worried about you. And I was like, okay, you can just call once. Like I'm just, I'm cleaning a bathroom. Like (laughs) it's got puke in it. (laughs) Um, but uh, yeah, I will say, uh, first of all, to take personal responsibility, I was completely toxic in those two relationships too. I did not recognize, I recognized that abuse and I chose to like stay. And then I also chose to be horrible back to them in whatever various ways. Um, so it was just, they were both toxic relationships. The other one was violent and um, you know, that person struggled with mental health issues. So of course, if you're like a sensitive person, you're like, I know why he yeah. struggles. Like, like, no girl, leave, <laughs> like, girl, leave. Um, and it was wild. Like I stayed with both of them long enough for them both to propose. So wow. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And for whatever reason, when that moment came, like, it was like a no, just like, like vomited out of me. Like I was like, no, <laughs> I'm too young. <laughs> um, <laughs> that's why uh so yeah that that was just that was hard I think it was really hard going into a relationship with someone my husband after which was the next serious relationship I had and just like trusting men like I have struggled to open up the walls to be in my feminine it's been a struggle for me to not try to compete in the masculinity to not emasculate men constantly to trust them has been extremely difficult. I still struggle with it. Um, Like if a guy, if I'm ever around a guy, it's like I immediately go into competitive mode with them. And I'm like, why am I doing this? Like, I don't even want to compete with this person. (laughs) I just like, it's just my natural shield to be like, don't look at me. Um, Do not hurt me. (laughs) Because men are scary. Like there are they're women's biggest predators there. I mean, statistically, they're the thing that's going to kill us. Right. So, uh, yeah, I think I, if any woman's listening and they're, they've been abused or they're struggling in abuse currently, and they're wondering how the heck am I going to be in a healthy relationship? It is possible, but it's like, it's, it takes a lot of work to open your heart up again, because all, it's really easy to become the jilted, bitter woman. And then you're, you, when you are in that energy, like, and you're calling in a masculine, a healthy masculine man, he's never going to come. 
because you're going to constantly emasculate him. Yeah. Like, it's just, I don't know, maybe what I'm saying right now doesn't resonate for some people, but for me, it's been the truth of my experience. <laughs> it definitely does. It definitely does. And you mentioned in that taking personal responsibility with the parts that played a role in that. And so I think for a lot of people who have been in abusive relationships, it can feel like, well, I did nothing wrong. Like I truly am the victim and you are, but at the same time, your personal responsibility can be something like deciding to stay for as long as you did. You're personally responsible for staying. And that doesn't mean I want to also speak to the people in abusive relationships where leaving could end up, they could end up getting killed. Like that is a very serious situation that I'm not undermining by any means, but for the people that chose to stay, even when it could have been easier to leave, but it's painful. It's too painful to leave. So you're like, I'm not yeah, going to get much. It's, de like <laughs> it's definitely complicated. I mean, I watched my mom with my dad was abusive towards her physically That's for my whole life. And, you know, I've gone from feeling angry with her that she didn't leave to growing up and understanding that there are, there's a lot more involved in abuse than I know. And, you know, she feared for her life leaving. She feared for our lives leaving. Um, she had nowhere to go because he had financial control over her. So it's, it's like obviously person dependent, but it's, it's, it feels impossible for some people. And then that's not even to mention the psychological abuse that happens where you feel completely worthless. Like you feel like this person has put you down long enough and beat you long enough that you believe that stuff about you. You don't think that you can possibly survive out in the world without this person controlling you. And it's, I, I really feel for everybody. When I say I, I accepted personal responsibility, it's just when I look back on my own personal experience, I was a brat. Like I was, I was horrible to these men too. And I want to just acknowledge that, but I, I don't know everybody's situation. Like some people might actually just be a hundred percent the victim. Right. And like, yes, I can say like you have a choice to leave, but I don't know what that's like in really intense abusive mm -hmm. situations. Like I've come to this complete compassion for my own mom now, just knowing she did the best that she could. Like, I don't think she could have left earlier than she did. Um, and she didn't even get to, like, I had to, you know, as a kid intervene and we had to get a restraining order. So it's like, I, I don't really know. I think everybody's situation is so different, but yes, I think in some cases, like you can meditate on it and think, yeah, I had responsibility in that. Like I chose to dance with them. And then some people could probably honestly say like, I did not choose to dance. Like I was just like completely, I was, I was, you know, completely the victim. So I, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, it's complex. And in terms of the nervous system, like what your body, what your nervous system does in order to protect itself, like you may be very well in a free state, like by that time, like it's gone on for so long. The only thing you can't fight, you can't flee. The only thing left to do is just freeze. And in mm -hmm. that state, proper tools, resources, so many people don't have access to these tools and resources. It's just kind of, you're just there mm -hmm. <laughs> existing here in headlights. It, it takes an angel, like something to intervene into your life, to pull you out of it. God willing. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah. That it, it's so much more complex than we can, we can sit here and on our podcast microphones and say, um, okay, I'm curious, MJ, what's some of the best relationship advice you have ever received? Oh, I was talking about this yesterday. Um, 
don't date someone for looks. <sighs> like, I think, you know, I'm blessed in that my husband's really hot. But even if he was <laughs> Even if he wasn't, I would still be with him because he wants a similar life that I want and has similar values. So those are the things that are going to give you longevity in my mind. So if you go for someone and like, you know, sexual attraction, I think is really, really important, but that doesn't necessarily only happen with someone who's aesthetically beautiful, at least not for me. Like there's been people who I've been sexually attracted to who aren't objectively you know, hot or whatever. Like it's, it's just, it's an energetic thing for me. So I would say find someone who wants a similar future as you, who obviously you like and have fun with and laugh with, um, but also has similar values. Yeah. Um, that's been the best thing for me because it's, it's very easy to go along in life with that person. Like if you are dating a guy whose idea of the future is like a yacht and like a house downtown and I don't know, whatever, whatever <laughs> I'm describing, like a very like New York lifestyle and you want to have a garden and sit, you know, by the river all day, what's going to happen in five, 10 years, you know, like you guys, are, someone's going to have to compromise. So if you, if you want kids and they don't like big, big things. So I would say when you're dating, just bring that stuff up right at the beginning. Just say, I'm looking for a husband. I actually really want kids. And I, I picture myself living in the country one day. What do, what do you picture? Are you scared right now? <laughs> Cause if you feel scared, <laughs> We're not, we're not a match. Um, on the first date with my husband, I said, I'm not looking for a hookup. I'm not sleeping with you tonight. I'm looking for a husband. Uh, and he was like, down. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing because in dating, I feel like it can be, it's one step to say I'm looking for a relationship. And then it's another step to be like, no, I'm here to find my husband. Like this yeah. is what. I'm here for and it really weeds them out like oh yeah ready, like bye I'm literally probably never gonna hear from you again and that's great because I'm not gonna waste my time and I know I used to say it jokingly because I bartended at the time in school and a lot of like 19 20 year old boys would be like asking me out and <laughs> I would always say like, oh, no, I'm not looking for like dates. I'm actually looking for a husband. And most of them would be like, oh, after that. But there was this one boy, I'll never forget him. He was like 19. He was like shaking. And he was like, I'm ready. <laughs> I was like, no, you're not. But that's really sweet. <laughs> I'm ready too. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Perfect. We can move to a country. To the country. Oh, my gosh. Okay, so with that, it sounds like um, timeline-wise, you had those tough relationships, and then you were with one of those partners when you met your husband. How old were you when you met him? Good question. I, when I like first saw him and I was working, I would have been like 25, 26. And oh, then when I started dating, I would have been 28, 28. Yeah, okay. Sounds like a 10-year-old. Yeah, around there. Yeah, it's about, I think we're eight and a half, eight and a half. Okay. So when so, people are like, how do you have a house? I'm like, because he bought it. <laughs> That's why. <laughs> That's hilarious. Um, this is, yeah, 
Thank you for being an expander because we're going to manifest. We've literally <laughs> been talking about this conversation all week. Yeah. And then I went awesome. on a date with a seven-year-old and I was like, no, you're not a 30 or seven-year-old that I wanted to be with. Like, yeah. Come on. Uh, age, age doesn't matter, but the work someone has done mattered. And this is why I always tell people like, for the most part, Ian's the second guy in AA that I've dated. They always, <laughs> like sober, so like the right sober man um, yes. might be unhinged, but also <laughs> might be extremely amazing. So you're going to get like a sprinkle of crazy, obviously, but they're also going to have had done a lot of self-work. It's the same with dating a spiritual girl. We're all a little crazy, but... Yeah. We've all done a lot of work. <laughs> oh my gosh. And someone who has been there. And so when you ask them to go there, they've been there before. And obviously not in the same place as relationship, but they've been to that part of themselves. And so then they can show up in this way. And I, I just, I love that you're bringing light to this community and, and the people that are so beautiful that come out of it because we have such a huge drug I don't even want to use the word problem, but it, it's an epidemic right now. And it's so, the, the language is so negative. Yeah. It's and it's like, like you said, a lot of the people in my life who have struggled with drugs and alcohol, they're always like the smartest and most loving, kindest people. And it's like, they just have a difficult time calibrating to the mundanity of the world. Being and yeah. 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 Like I'm, I, it, Ian and my father are both very, very similar, extremely smart, like annoyingly smart and ignore, annoyingly like compassionate. And it's just the world is not built for them. Um, so it's hard. Do you have any recommendations as far as it sounds like you really let go of that past version of you and maybe like you're still holding on to parts of you that you were in those relationships and really stepped into a new being and, and maybe that was facilitated by him and really brought out by him but do you have any anything that you kind of went through and to navigate that letting go um or letting go in general and mm -hmm. navigating the new path that you're on yeah i think there's like millions of ways to do it like it could be through just you know getting a therapist and just starting to like consciously look at yourself, the things that you're doing, where you want to go, what's holding you back, you know, understanding what emotions you feel regularly and why you feel them. And is it possible for you to, you know, go process them and let them go? And what does that feel like? And just just going through the I think just doing whatever tool you can do to feel present and feel things. That's like the ticket out, because a lot of what we do in life the habits and the, um, you know, the, the addictions, essentially we have to social media shopping, you know, codependency, whatever, love and sex. Um, those are kind of like the basic ones that people have that they don't know they have, <laughs> but those things, you know, they, they, they exist because you have emotions that you don't want to feel. So if you can spend half an hour a day, doing something where it allows you to slow down, get into the present moment and feel things, think about your own life, think about yourself and what you're doing, you're, that's healing, right? And for me, that's breathwork. Like I love breathwork. It gets me into a state where I can feel my emotions and let them go. But I also love hypnosis. I love meditation. I love prayer. I love 
calling my friends and just talking about the things that are going on in our lives. Like being in community is so healing. So there's literally millions of ways to do it. But I would say just if they could have the factors of being in the present moment and allowing yourself to feel, uh, you'll you'll like quantum leap in your identity, right? Because we think of our personalities as being something set in stone because our parents say to us, oh, you're bossy and you're too quiet and you're too this. But a lot of the times, like our personalities are built. I mean, this is Joe Joe Dispenda's work, Mm -hmm. but he says our personalities are built and they're built based off of the emotions that we hold inside of ourselves for long periods of time. So if you feel angry and you feel that for a day, you're angry for a day. If you feel that for a month, then that's become your mood. And if you feel that for 20 years, that's your personality. You're a grumpy, angry person. But in in reality, if someone had just taught you this is what anger is and here's a healthy way to release it, what would your personality be like? Probably wouldn't be angry, grumpy, right? So um, <laughs> that's been learning just the basic emotions and how to healthily release them has been chef's kiss for me. Like, I don't know why we're not teaching kids this in school. It's so crazy. But um, but yeah, regulating your emotions that can help you like vastly quantum leap in your identity and how you relate to other people, how you show up at work, how you, the decisions you make on what to do. Like if you're not, if you're not being propelled by shame, guilt, fear, low self-worth, who would you be? Like you would be unstoppable. (laughs) So Mm. that's been, I think the biggest thing for me. Mm. Yes. Amen. Preach. Exactly. (laughs) My kids had a regular emotions. (laughs) Um, I'm assuming that people get to do this in the being portal or Mm -hmm. the being and the breath work that you offer. Can you tell us a little bit about what makes the breath work that you offer a little bit different than like some of the the methods that you see? Yeah, yeah, for sure. So um, there's a lot of breath work out there. They're all amazing. If anyone's ever dove into that world, you know, the majority of them are built and made by men. Almost all of them. (laughs) so that was one that was one thing that kind of propelled me to be like well let's have a woman in the space because we've got women facilitators but not a lot of breathwork styles created by women so that was one of my um that was one thing where I was like let's let me let me have a seat at the table here because I think I could do it a little bit differently um one big change that I made to my breathworks and the other breathworks that I've experienced is that I really don't believe in forced coaching. So I don't believe in saying like, yeah, one more time, one more breath, da, da, da. I really want people to have an intrinsic motivation to healing, which means it comes from you and your own intuition, not from me telling you. I don't know your body better than you, right? So if your body's telling you like, hey, we're going a little bit too far here. This is breaching on maybe things that are too much for you to handle listen to that and pull back because there's no sense in re-traumatizing yourself. That's not going to be the healing space. The healing space is going to be from you connecting to your own body. And if you do the breath, if you do a 30 minute breath work and you only breathe for, I mean, breathe in the breath work style, hopefully you breathe the whole time. But if you only do like the sympathetic type of breathing for one minute, and your body tells you no, you've done a tremendous amount of healing in that because you've actually listened to your body and what you need to do. And a lot of the times it's listening to no's and it's listening to stops. The wellness world is all about what you need to do, what you need to buy, da, 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 da. So I think that's the biggest difference in the being 
like we've got the breathwork facilitation cert and that's the being method. So I'm very adamant with people. We're very trauma informed, like do not push people, let them figure it out. If they're not doing the breathwork, that's fine. They're still getting something out of it because they're exploring themselves. Right. And that's what we want to do with healing. We want to explore ourselves. We want to listen to our own intuition. We want to connect to our own body again. Like let's throw the patriarchal guru mumbo jumbo out the window because we are our own healers. Like we are really powerful and I'm just here to kind of create a space for you, play some cool music and tell you the physiological benefits of breathing. Um, and that's our, our second thing, which is really different is that we don't do breathwork techniques. So you're not going to find timed breathwork in our thing. First of all, all the times are based off of men. So they're based off of their lung capacity. <laughs> surprise. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so that's why a lot of women go to do breath work and they're like, I'm having a hard time with this. Like I can't hold my breath this long or I can't inhale this long or exhale this long. Accurate because your lung volume is probably lesser, not always, but probably. So we don't do timed breath work, um, but we do understand what does it mean physiologically to inhale, to exhale, to hold on empty and to hold on full and breathe out each nostril. So we learn all the physiology and anatomy behind that. And then you can go forth and use that as you will. Mm, I love that. Truly trauma-informed and so empowering as someone who maybe doesn't understand their body's cues and signals and has not yet built that body awareness or it's like, is maybe aware of them and now they can ha finally have a space where they get to truly give yeah like listen to their bodies so i truly love that and i need to check it out myself because i've definitely been a part of like breath work memberships and even programs like i've been through my own like breath work facilitator program and it's it's not as trauma informed as i thought it would be but i i love everything now that i've been through the somatic experiencing international program like listening to your, your body's impulses and stuff is is truly how we build safety on the inside of our bodies. Mm -hmm. um, beautiful, MJ. So where can people find you and keep up with you? And yeah, we'll put links to the, the Being Method and people can sign up there. Yeah, so we are on Instagram at Being Method, TikTok at Being Method. I've started doing longer form stuff on TikTok, so very exciting over there. Um, and then our website is www.beingmethod.ca. And that's where you can find the being portal to do breath work. And we go deep into the frequencies of emotions, how to locate them in your body, how to release them, use that towards building your manifested dream life. Or we've got the being method where you can become a breathworks, become certified in breathwork. It's a six month course. And if you are a science person, that's definitely the breathwork course for you because I will basically force anatomy down your throat in a kind way. <laughs> yeah. I'm a huge science person as well. And I feel like you are bridging the gap yeah. between, yeah, the spirituality space and science. And when we don't understand the science behind something, it can be really hard to integrate it. And yeah. So even I love knowing how and why I'm so curious. Yes. Yeah. Oh, thank you so much. This was lovely. Just yeah, I really enjoyed this. Thank you so much for having me and listening to me. Gosh, just if I could go on people's podcasts and just talk about how much I love my husband, I would just, <laughs> that would be amazing. You're healing a lot of people when you say it, so please don't. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's really amazing. And thank you to everyone who has been listening. We hope you enjoyed the show and we'll see you on the next one. I love you guys.
Thank you so much for listening to another episode of the Body Wisdom Podcast. We hope you got so much out of this episode with MJ. Don't forget you can find all information about her in our show notes, links to the being method, and just to connect with her. I am so excited for you guys to check out the being method. After hearing MJ talk about what this experience is like, I'm like, where was this when I was looking for breath work? This is exactly what I've been searching for as someone who has, um, is going through the trauma healing program that Dr. Peter Levine created. What MJ preaches is truly a trauma-informed approach. There are so many breathwork programs out there and it doesn't make them wrong. I just wish there was more of like a truly trauma-informed lens and MJ truly embodies that. She is all about um, letting our bodies speak to us and really regaining that trust that has been once lost because of trauma and accumulated stress in our lives. Um, she really teaches you to come back to your body, come back home to yourself and follow your body's impulses. Listen to your body's cues. When is too much? What can you honor that sacred? No, that your body's asking for. Um, and I just also love how she's like, very aware that most of the breathwork programs out there, breathwork practices have been created by men. And she is a woman just really, really bringing it home for us and just honoring our female physiology. And I love that so much. So be sure to check out the being method linked in the show notes. And don't forget to check out our digesting well freebie. This is a two-part freebie that Gabby and I created for you. Gabby put together a mini lesson on digestion and I put together a mini somatic audio practice for you to take with you at mealtime. And we really hope you enjoy that. And if you do, be sure to check out Body Basics. This is our audio-only mini course designed to help you come back home to the basics, really teaching you the basics of nutrition and nervous system healing in one space because both matter, both are important, and you can't do one without the other. So we really hope that you uh, decide to join Body Basics and get what you need from it. And finally, don't forget to follow us on Instagram. We share so much educational content and funny content because that's a really that's a really important piece for us over here at the Body Wisdom Podcast is just adding humor wherever we can when we talk about such heavy and dense topics. So don't forget to follow us. Thank you so much for listening to another episode, and we will see you on the next one.